level sales leadership podcast where we help newish sales leaders shorten the learning curve so you can become the best leader you can be without all the stress. I'm your host, Derek Jankowski. I'm really excited about today's episode. We're going to do something a little different. I'm going to cover a topic that's going to help you get more done faster and uh, which I guess is kind of my go-to thing here with less stress without feeling like you're rushing or frazzled. Um, it's going to feel like uh, the eternal concept I'm pursuing is effortless effort. We at least get closer there. We're going to talk about a concept from the lens of looking at some of the most productive and impactful people in history. So the concept is focused, and I'm going to cover different ways to use it, including what I specifically do that has helped me do so much. I've had the best year of my life. I've accomplished way more than I ever would have expected to in the years before that. Now, before we jump in, one thing. If you're getting a lot out of this podcast, uh, I mean, A, please leave me a review or share it with a friend, but you may also uh, really love the mastermind group. We meet every week to cover one topic like this, plus we help the members uh, troubleshoot their own business challenges. You can get more info about that from the link in the show notes or from my featured section on my LinkedIn profile. Let's talk about focus. We're here uh, talking about this because I'm obsessed with figuring out what wildly successful people know and do, or in these cases, knew and did, that's different from what I know and do. It's one of the reasons I read a lot. I want to extract other people's experiences. You put years or decades into learning something that you can pick up in a few hours, at least the basic concepts. And so I, I recommend everybody reads, but I know that, you know, it's, it's a lot of times really hard to find time to do that. And I'm going to give you the, the most important concepts. Especially interested in people who had a surprising level of success, who came from you know, modest backgrounds or situations that just made them unlikely to succeed at all let alone becoming among the, the most successful people in history. Examples are Julius Caesar, Steve Jobs, Napoleon Bonaparte, Catherine the Great. Now, I Googled, uh, why was Napoleon so successful? He, we'll get into a little bit of his background here, but he ended up becoming emperor of France after France uh, got rid of their monarch and, and became a republic. And he was massively successful, legitimately winning something like 80% of the vote. Um, I Googled, why was Napoleon so successful? I read a bunch of answers, and most of those answers said things along the lines of he was in the right place at the right time. But I think that comes from the, that, that definitely comes from the wrong perspective, because a lot of people were in that place at that time. I wanted to know, what did Napoleon do? What choices did he make or what skills did he acquire that let him be the person success. Right place, right time is just, it's just simply not enough for me, right? Yes, if you're gonna become emperor or CEO of an industry-defining company, there's certainly a right place, right time element. Steve Jobs would have been Steve Jobs without computers or the internet. But, you know, lots of, like I said, lots of people, being in a place in a time, if you're not in the exact right place or exact right time, 
what are the things that you can borrow from those people in order to use it in your own life and become more successful at your own things, right? As means that by definition, they had to have made choices or develop skills that push them beyond normal levels of success. The reason that are is something that helps us in our chosen career of sales leadership. Focus is one of those things. And as far as I can tell, probably the single most important one. Let me give you a few examples of what I mean by focus. And then we'll, we'll talk about how we can use this in our own lives. So Steve Jobs got thrown out of his company, Apple. This is the 90s. The story of what he did when he was gone, it's interesting. Uh, we're not going to cover it all today. Um, check out his, uh, I think it's the Walter Isaacson biography. But he needed to learn what he learned when he was, quote, in the wilderness, right? In order to become the Steve Jobs that created the iPhone. The short version is he bought Pixar, invested money into it until it was a huge success. And he also founded another computer company called Next. And Next was not successful. Their computers were amazing, but far too expensive for the demographic they were aiming at. So the company is floundering. They had one thing that Apple needed. See, when, when Jobs left, Apple basically stopped innovating. And by the time this story picks up is the mid 90s, Microsoft-based computers had completely dominated the market. They had 99% market share. Apple, you couldn't even call them a competitor. And one of the biggest problems with Apple at the time was their operating system. They tried to create a new one, but it also sucked. Jobs' new company, Next, had an amazing OS that other companies had tried to buy. About buying the company. And it was the exact move that Jobs needed because Next was otherwise a failure. But Apple also needed that step also for reasons that they didn't know at the time. See, the CEO when this happened, his name is Gil Emilio. He was more or less, he was at the helm as the company was being driven to the ground. There was a story that when he was at a cocktail party, he told someone that Apple was like a ship loaded with treasure, but it had a hole in it. And his job is to make sure everyone rode in the same direction. And somebody at the party asked him, well, what, what about the hole? Job, get everyone to go in the same direction. Not as much to worry about the hole. There's bankruptcy. Uh, Steve Jobs, at this point, his role was advisor to the chairman. That was his post-acquisition role. Um, you know, as the CEO of an acquired company, they expect you to have some kind of role. But as Gill was fading, Jobs was picking up more and more responsibility. And finally, the board had enough. They fired Gil Emilio and they named Steve Jobs interim CEO. So what was his first move as CEO? hands where he told the assembled staff because the products sucked. They had lost what made them special and they were going to get it back again. A series of meetings where people would come in and, and present the product that they were working on. Meetings, he eventually just stopped and he said, this is crazy. He stood up, he walked up to the whiteboard, he drew a, a two by two quadrant. Uh, you know, he wrote consumer, 
and pro on one axis. And he wrote desktop and mobile on the other. He said, are only four products, desktops. He got rid of 70% of the products that could focus on making just a few that were truly great. Look, and I checked Wikipedia on this. In 1996, Apple was selling 36 products. They had four. This was one of the moves that the company really required in order to survive. Um, but when he made this decision, the company was bleeding cash. So he knew it wasn't the only thing that was going to save the company. Savior. Yeah, you know, one of the other things that Apple was dealing with at this time was a drawn out legal suit against Microsoft. Apple alleged that Microsoft had copied a bunch of, just a bunch of stuff from them. Steve called Bill Gates and said, you know, I'm gonna paraphrase here. Hey, Steve, let's end this freaking lawsuit. We both know that in a couple of years, Apple is likely to, is likely to win a billion dollars in damages from Microsoft. Why wait that long? I'm happy to end that lawsuit right now. And I know you really want that. So here's what I want in exchange. One, promise to keep developing applications for the Macs. The Apple, so you have a vested interest in our success. Said he'd been calling the previous CEO, faxing over documents, having long conversations with him. That CEO wanted 16 things, most of which were just unimportant. Jobs wanted two. He simplified it. They had a deal. Microsoft invested $100 million into Apple and helped save the company. Most of us are unlikely to need to save a company like that one day, right? And Jobs was intensely focused. He lasered in on the absolute most important items percent in on those. And because all of the available resources were focused on these things, he got them done, he got them done fast. Uh, let's talk about, before we get into how exactly you and I can use these, I wanna give you one more example from my new hero, Napoleon Bonaparte. I think this guy is probably the most impressive person to ever live. Napoleon, was from, you know, very minor nobility in Corsica, which had recently become a French colony. It was a small, it, it still is, it's a small island between Italy and France. And on that island, they spoke an Italian dialect. And that's because Corsica was, before France took it, ruled by an Italian city. So he spoke French with a, with a thick accent. His nobility was so minor that it's part of the French Empire. You know, he was routinely discriminated against. Um, you know, for that, for his accent, he's pretty born pretty like what we would probably today call middle class, maybe lower middle class. Um, but the family's so far in debt that like wealth didn't really uh, help at all. You know, it's like a it's a cash poor house rich cash poor. I don't I don't know that phrase anyway. He was so short on cash that during military school, he only ate once a day so he could send the money home. When he wanted to take a two-year program to learn artillery, um, he could only afford one year. year and just made sure to finish inside of that year. Now, this is important. It's important that he took that artillery course because 
during the French Revolution, the port city, Toulon, and they held it in support of the monarchy that the French had just rebelled against. The Republican army laid siege to the town, but really, what are you gonna do when the most powerful navy in the world can just come in and out the back door as they please? It had made a splash with an earlier assignment. So the re Republican government at that time, they knew this was a major problem and that the existing officers weren't, weren't able to solve it. So they decided to put Napoleon in charge of the siege to see what he could do. Um, he looked at everything and immediately recognized that what was most, uh, you know, the most important thing is that they'd have to take these two high points so they could fire cannon the ships in the harbor, they'd give them control of the city. And, um, and of course, the British knew that, right? So they had fortified those points heavily. The French, however, couldn't take them. The problems there that Napoleon identified were that they were, they're pretty big ones, they were undersupplied and undertrained. All of this effort up in pursuit of, of attaining the goal of, of taking these two high points. Just comb the nearby towns and countrysides for cannons and other retired artillery officers. He ended up with over 100 cannons he could use. He personally trained the soldiers on their, their equipment and then led the key attack personally on the British position. So managing salespeople is rarely life or death, rarely holds up a, a new, you know, better form of government, but that doesn't mean we can't improve what we're doing by taking a page from Steve Jobs from the Rolling Bone Park. Focus is the number one thing that I'm noticing from these two plus anyone else who's been massively successful that I've learned about. So let's talk about what we can do right now to use this concept to our benefit. And as I look at focus and think about it and how I've applied it to my life to, uh, to see more success, it occurs to me that there's two types of focus, macro and micro. So macro focus means I am working on the most important things to the exclusion of the unimportant things. The exclusion part, often gets passed over, but is critical. This part is saying no to the things you want to do or things others are asking you to do. Um, this is what I actually do each week. I have a, an hour blocked out each Sunday. You don't have to do it Sunday, right? But uh, I take an hour and I look at my long-term goals, which I've written down in a Google Doc calendar for that upcoming week and I ask myself a few questions. So for each goal, I have two major overarching things. Uh, what is the one thing that if I do this, everything else becomes easier or unnecessary? Well, do the tasks I have lined up for this week support accomplishing these goals? And listen, there's always going to be things we have to do that that don't. I have to take my dog to a, a vet appointment. I was not counting on that when I planned the week. He's okay, like don't worry about him, but uh, it's a thing that I have to do. Um, that's why it's so important to remove all of the other things. Get you there. And is jump into your calendar 
set aside an hour each week to make sure your schedule is aligned with your priorities. In the mastermind, we do a full calendar teardown, uh, a reboot of the calendar. Um, but this is something that takes less than an hour each week and will we'll keep you aligned. Grow focus. Micro focus is about the present moment. Right now in this moment, not multitasking, not writing an email during a one-on-one -on -one or something like that. Am I working on one thing at a time? Ask myself, how can I work on this, this one thing with fewer distractions? So here's some things that, that I figured out um, that I've been doing for a while. One is go dark periods. In whenever I do work, all of my devices are on do not disturb, anything with an alert, a sound, an incoming message, a live update, anything like that is either the alerts are off or I've closed out the application entirely. Open, except for what I'm working on right now. At this moment that I'm recording this podcast, I have Zoom open to record me and I have one tab, which are my notes for, for this. Uh, is that you go get a browser extension. It's actually called one tab. And what it lets you do is it lets you easily save all your open tabs and reopen them later. And I use that so that I can close whatever I'm working on now and then open whatever eight tabs that I need for the next thing that I'm doing. It make that, makes that really easy. A lot is playing concentration music. Somebody once told me that movie music, uh, movie soundtracks were made to keep you focused. And that works really well for me. Um, I also have some other, I've collected. Message me on LinkedIn or email me at Derek at DerekJankowski.com. Be happy to share my playlist with you. All right. So none of us are likely to do what the people that we've talked about have done. We're not probably not going to run a country or, uh, you know, try to take over a continent or uh, one of the most important world. If you do, I hope you remember me in this podcast. Give me a call. But we can get a lot more done by taking a page from these guys, uh, from people who have done that those things and have been tremendously successful. Goes. Feel free to message me with any questions. We'd love to talk. Thanks.